Hi, this is Pastor Rob Stone with Duns Creek Baptist Church, and you are listening to Duns Creek Conversations, a weekly podcast about faith, growth, discovery, and the journey that God is taking each and every one of us on. Today on the podcast, we're joined by my friend, Pastor Mark Chumney. Mark is the senior pastor at Victory Christian Fellowship in East Palatka. He's relatively new to the Putnam County community, but God has taken him on an exciting journey to bring him here, and he's given him a huge vision of what it means to love the community and be the church that the community is called for. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into it. All right. Pastor Mark, it's good to have you here today. Thanks for being with us. Well, it's great to be here. I appreciate the invite. Um, tell us a little bit about your story. Where are you from? Um, where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? And, and ultimately, how did God um, take you from a childhood faith into an adult faith and ultimately into a call to ministry? Wow. Uh, that's a... That's a deep question. Uh, I could, uh, we could be here for the next hour just for that. That's all right. <laughs> so I grew up in uh, Cleveland, Tennessee. Um, I grew up uh, in a relatively large church. Um, and uh, somewhere around uh, age uh, 12 years old, I started kind of sensing that uh, God had a calling and a purpose on my life. Uh, I felt uh, kind of led to that that God was going to use me uh, at the time I thought as solely as a youth pastor and uh, I kind of fought with that for a few years and uh, about the time I was uh, 15 16 years old I kind of uh, through much prayer and uh, Bible study kind of determined that that was what God had had called me to do and I knew that that was what I was going to mm-hmm. pursue so from that moment forward uh, I started seeking out any minister that would give me five minutes of their time and hmm. uh, would pour any wisdom into me. And uh, from there went on to uh, college, Lee University in mm-hmm. Cleveland, Tennessee, yeah. and uh, studied there for uh, three years, uh, transferred to another university out in Texas um, just through course of God's leading and uh, finished my last year there. And... Uh, I met my wife, I guess I need to backtrack, met my wife while I was at Lee University, and we got married, moved to Texas together, and uh, we started uh, youth pastoring right away, mm-hmm. and uh, so that's what I would always do, and then... Uh, God, Where did you start youth pastoring? Uh, so our first youth pastorate was in Hickson, Tennessee, which mm-hmm. is north Chattanooga, okay. if you know where that's at. So, and Cleveland is basically southeast of Chattanooga? It is northeast, northeast of, Chattanooga. of Chattanooga. So Chattanooga is right on the Georgia line. Mm-hmm. So, uh, And so Cleveland's just about 20 minutes northeast of Chattanooga. So... Okay. Um, uh, while I was, uh, so we started youth pastoring, but while we were at, in college is really where my faith transitioned from just being, uh, I called it my, my mom and dad's faith hmm. to being my own, my own faith. I knew hmm. that I was called beforehand. I, I, you know, I studied the Bible and, and I believe that, you know, God spoke and shared during that season in my life but it was really when I went into college that questions began to be posed that were particularly challenging to me and I really began to realize that 
I had never really asked myself any difficult questions about my faith. Hmm. Uh, I had always kind of lived in this bubble uh, of security protected by my pastor, my youth mm-hmm. pastor, my grandparents, my parents. And now all of a sudden I found myself in college uh, and it was uh, particularly challenging uh, because I had never asked myself these difficult questions that, such as why do I believe hmm. that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Why do I believe that he died on the cross for my sins? Why is it that I believe these things? Hmm. And so as I began to wrestle with these questions, uh, I remember a moment where I was in my dorm room. I mean, and to a point, you know, I, as a confident young man who knew that he was called into hmm. ministry, I'm weeping and crying because I don't know what I believe anymore. Yeah. Uh, I don't know uh, what what's going on. The, the professors and the uh, experience that I had in college had posed enough significant, difficult questions that I was just unsure of myself. And I remember uh, sitting in my dorm room and asking myself a few key, key questions. And, and I came to a couple of conclusions. Number one was that I believe that Jesus Christ really was the Son of God, that there was enough historical evidence to prove that he was here. There's enough historical evidence mm-hmm. to show that his disciples followed him and that they uh, suffered at the hands uh, of persecutors around them. And yeah. um and from there, I believe that I chose and uh, chose to believe that that was really enough proof and evidence that Jesus really was who he said he was, mm. that he was the son of God, not just a good teacher, not just uh, uh, a good rabbi, but that he was really, truly the son of God and that these men and women were willing to give their life for that. Mm. And I rebuilt my entire faith system from there as to doctrinally what I believed and uh, who I believe God had called us as believers to uh, to be. Mm. And uh, so it was really in that moment that God started me on a new journey of not just uh, worshiping him um, because that's what everybody else was doing, but worshiping him and living my life for him because I really truly believe that that's that's who he is. Yeah. So you begin uh, Hicks in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. You begin to serve in this youth pastor role that, and that was really the kind of original calling that you felt this is what God is calling you to. And so Hicks in Tennessee, you begin serving in this role, and that's not the the last place you would serve in that role. No, absolutely not. Uh, from there, uh, we were there just a, a short period of time. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes as, as youth pastors, those roles are kind of quick and you wind mm-hmm. up transitioning. And so uh, we uh, transitioned from there to uh, another ministry out in Dyer, Tennessee, which was a little town of 2,500 people. So wow. uh, talk about culture shock going from a town of 300,000, which I know is not huge, mm-hmm. uh, to a town of 2,500. Uh, okay. And uh, it was there that uh, God really used us to take a group of teenagers uh, who were used to uh, maybe five minutes uh, of Bible study and then 45 minutes of playtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when we left from there uh, three years later, uh, they were leading worship. They were the backup worship band to the main worship band in the church, so mm-hmm. they would come on and leave. We had uh, two or three kids who would preach 
uh, uh, in the youth group on a regular basis and nice. also had opportunities to share on Sunday mornings. Wow. Um, and so we saw a group of teenagers who uh, moved from, you know, we that it was their mom and dad's faith to mm -hmm. this is their faith. Yeah. Because um, that was really one of the things that God had laid on my heart was to help teenagers make that transition earlier. Mm. We don't need to wait until they get to college to answer these questions about why they love God, why do they believe, and, mm. and do they really believe those things for themselves yeah. uh, and answer those questions early on. And so we kind of pushed our group of teenagers to ask themselves yeah. those questions pretty early. And, um, and, and it sounds like to, to recognize their role in, in their place in the body, that, yes. that God has gifted them to serve in the church, and that's not something that has to wait until you're 18 or 25 to begin. No, absolutely. Uh, I, I often hear, uh, and I even used it myself for a period of time that, you know, our uh, teenagers and our children are the church of tomorrow. Uh, and somewhere along the way, I kind of felt some conviction from God because Jesus didn't treat the children and the young people like they were the church of tomorrow. He treated them like they were part of the church of today. Yeah. And, uh, and I feel like when we push them off and tell them that it's you're the church of tomorrow, one day it's kind of patronizing. Like you, you're, you're mm. patting them on the back and you say, well, you know what? One day when you grow up, you'll be a part of, of the church and what, what God's doing. Yeah. But, but right now uh, it, it's kind of like giving them a free pass just to goof off yeah. and, and not really take their relationship with God seriously because, you know, we're telling them that, well— it, that day's not come yet, mm. so you can procrastinate. Yeah. And uh, so it sounds like you, you and your wife were able to help a group of teenagers begin to understand how God had empowered and equipped them to serve, and a church that grew because of it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so and, and they grew, and honestly, we thought that we would be there for. We were there for just shy of three years, actually mm -hmm. one month shy of three years, and uh, we thought that we would be there you know, for the next 10 to 15, we loved the pastor out there. We loved the community and, and the, the teenagers and God was doing great things. And, uh, so while, what happened? uh, had a church through a mutual friend contact us, uh, that had been in decline mm. for a number of years, uh, over 15 it had just been slowly dwindling and declining and, uh, asked if we would consider putting in our resume, uh, to be their lead pastor, their senior pastor, and mm -hmm. uh, to which I promptly replied, thank you for the offer, but I'm just not interested in, yeah. in being a senior pastor. Um, you know, this is what God's called me to do, and this is what I'm going to pursue for the rest of my life. Interesting. So, so let's talk about that. So you're, I mean, almost three years into this church, you're seeing huge success. You're seeing God do incredible things in the life of these teenagers who you've really helped understand what God is doing in their lives and the role that they play in the church. Mm -hmm. And the church is growing because of it. And, and here's a home and it's a place that you see you could be really happy. And I mean, so you are, I mean, at this point, you are born and raised in Southeast Tennessee and you'd spent, with the exception of your last year of, of school, mm -hmm. you'd essentially spent your entire career, uh, your, your entire life in Southeast Tennessee. So, mm -hmm. It's, you know, you're from Cleveland, Tennessee, not a small town like this, but you understand the, mm -hmm. that kind of small town mentality and, 
And so you, there, there's so many things that all seem to coalesce together to say, hey, this is such a great spot for you, and it's this thing God has called you into. Mm-hmm. And then someone calls and said, hey, here's, here's a really great offer. Will you come, will you come in, into a role that you didn't know God had prepared you for? Mm-hmm. And will you come to a church that's been in decline for 15 years? I mean, it's, in terms of attractive offers, that's not normally one that's going to lead someone away from a place where they're really happy. No, uh, definitely not. And uh, it was, uh, God has different plans for us. You know, sometimes we think we know uh, what, he, what he wants for us. And uh, I tell people all the time, I said, if, if God ever told you everything that he was going to ask you to do through the course of your life, we'd all tuck tail and run hmm. uh, the minute he laid it all out. Instead, he kind of leads us along and he gives us little pictures uh, of maybe where we're going along the way uh, little by little and we find ourselves sometimes uh, in the middle of doing things that if we stop and think and picture where we were you know a year ago two years ago we think I would have never imagined Mm. that I'd be right here in this moment yeah and uh, that was kind of where we found ourselves it was a couple of months later this church called back again and said hey we really feel strongly that you should put your resume in you know Mm. would you uh pray about and consider you know so uh, it wasn't just that they were calling to see if you were interested they were really calling saying we feel like you're supposed to be this person yes and uh what was in in other than the the kind of you had a mentor who who knew of the church who mm -hmm. recommended you um but, but, I mean, did you have a relationship to this church at all other than this one individual? No, other than this one individual, I had no connection at all. So, essentially, um, your, your reputation as described by this one individual and that individual's reputation within that church mm-hmm. was enough for them to go, that's the guy. Yes. And so what was that process for you and Rachel like trying to figure out are we going to do this? Is this what God is leading us to? Well, it actually, it started with that second conversation. Um, we, uh, I, I was just getting ready to politely decline again. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a moment where, uh, there's very few moments in my life where I would say, like, I felt very strongly that that God's spirit was speaking Mm. to me. I'm not going to say I heard audibly from him, but that I just, I knew that he was bringing, uh, there was a moment of clarity and correction. And, uh, it was like, as those words were getting ready to leave my mouth, uh, I just, I, these words just popped up in my mind and in my spirit. This is aren't, don't you at least want to pray about it? Mm. Shouldn't you ask me? And, uh, and I started to answer it, and I paused, and I sat for a second, and I said, okay, I'll pray about it. Hmm. I will at least pray about it and consider it. Yeah. Um, and so from there, uh, we started for about the next uh, two or three weeks, uh, my wife and I, uh, we started fasting and, hmm. and praying on a regular basis and just asking God, is this where you want us uh, to hmm. be? Uh, what you want us to do. Um, and we really, at the end of those couple of weeks, felt like God was at least telling us we felt comfortable enough to at least put in uh, a candidacy to be their, their lead pastor. 
And uh, and considering the way they had kind of pursued you, once you once you put in your candidacy, once you submitted your resume, I imagine what they did one interview and then asked you to come preach, or did they even do an interview first? Uh, they didn't even really do an interview. They just invited us to come interview and preach at the same time. Mm-hmm. So we interviewed on the uh, Friday night or Saturday night. I can't remember exactly what it was before I preached on that Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then voted Sunday night. Uh, yes. So, and then voted, uh, actually pause or rewind that. So it was, uh, they did not vote that Sunday night. Um, they, uh, they put it off a couple of weeks. I don't really understand. So this church had been in decline for a little while and was kind of, uh, the pastoral search committee was in a little bit of of disarray or, uncharted waters Hmm. Uh, they were all kind of new board members didn't they were kind of unsure of what they were doing and what the process was exactly so they had us come interviewed they all liked us loved us uh, uh, but then they kind of put off the vote for a couple of weeks Hmm. Um, and the Sunday morning they voted us in uh, they barely met quorum so Mm. uh you had in order to be a a independent church in the assemblies of god you have to have 20 members so they just barely had 20 members and in order to have a business meeting uh, to vote on a pastor you have to have at least half of your membership there so they had 10 people there so they voted us in with eight yeses and two no's wow so uh which was you know kind of kind of crazy uh, a little bit so you've got this youth group that you've grown in a church that is growing in a place where it feels like home and you're going, we could stay here for 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. And God calls you ultimately to go to this small church that's in decline and not just a small church in decline, a church that barely qualifies in the, in the assemblies of God mm-hmm. um, as a church at all. Yes. And you go there. And I can only imagine the mountain of issues and obstacles that you run into immediately when you're there. The, not the least of which is it would be, how does a church of 10, 20 people afford to hire a pastor? Mm-hmm. I mean, so... And and that was a very real question. Uh, and, and honestly, they, they kind of brought us in and... and began telling us what they could offer us as a salary and stuff. And I remember talking to my wife, I just don't know. It just didn't add up to me. How can you be offering, you know, this, this kind of figure, you mm-hmm. know, and it wasn't an astronomical amount yeah. of money, but uh, what they offered, I remember just thinking it, there's no way they have this much money coming in. Yes. There, there's yeah. just no way. And, and so we got there and as we kind of dove in, we, we recognized and saw like after, you know, after three months of being there, I looked at him and said, "This is unsustainable. Yeah. We we cannot, uh, we cannot maintain this." Uh, and they said, "No, no. Well, let's just see. Let's give it some more time and see how we grow." And and finally, at eight months, we were starting to drain. That someone had made a substantial donation to the church, mm-hmm. uh, which they had money in the savings account. The church was debt free, so there was a lot of freedom that they had financially because they didn't have any money tied up in a mortgage or anything, but we were starting to eat through our savings account. And I told them, you know, I said, look, in the next six months, we're going to be bankrupt if we don't do something now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, you know, I just kind of talked with them. I said, you know, 
Rachel and I feel like this is where God has called us. We know that this is where we're supposed to be. We're not going anywhere. You need to release us to be bivocational so that I can go and find work mm-hmm. and uh, reduce what the church is, yeah. is paying us to be here so that we can get to a place of, of health yeah. uh, in, inside of the church. And so they did that, and I started working con- construction on the side, mm-hmm. uh, doing some concrete work and things like that, uh, which is, it's funny, even in that, God used that as an opportunity to, to minister to the community and, yeah. and ways around there. But uh, over time, we saw the church begin to grow uh, from the, those 10, 20 members mm-hmm. irregular to about 35, 45 people on a on a regular basis. And, uh, and it's one of those things that I think it's that one of the most difficult things about a small church is understanding just how big a deal it is to grow a church. Because if, if you're from a church, even if you're from an average sized church, which Mm -hmm. in the U S an average sized congregation is, is just under 200, yeah. Um, but especially with kind of the mega church movement, I, I think there's a tendency for us to look at churches in the thousands yes. and kind of, you know, there's all this comparison to that. Um, but the reality is what you've just described is saying, hey, we're there. And essentially we, we saw we saw 100% growth mm-hmm. in, in, in a year. If you were to apply that same thing to a North Point or a Willow Creek or a Saddleback, I mean, you'd be talking about a massive move of God Mm -hmm. that the church doubled in size. But when it's a church of 10, 20 people, we don't think of it in in those terms. No, we don't. But but really, God had done a tremendous work with with you there, and and you had kind of, again, looking at at the... casting vision into the future and you knew strategically it's unsustainable for me to stay in this position i will stay in this role but i will go bivocational and you're mm-hmm. how old at this time um uh 28 29 and you and rachel have kids already uh yes so we had had our twins mm-hmm. who were about uh two years old at this point in time and i believe uh rachel was pregnant with our third so so even with all that god has done even with all you've seen happening you're you're also i think aware of the fact that hey you're 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 a husband you're a father you've got two kids and one on the way Mm -hmm. um it in that scenario it's still difficult to go all right long term not just is this sustainable for the church is this sustainable for us Mm-hmm. to continue doing this um, because at, at a certain point you, you know you you still want to be able to do what God has called you to do yes. and also provide for your family and, and and do the things that God has also called you to do as a husband and a father yeah and so that that eventually reaches a break point yes so talk talk to us about that and how does that ultimately end up with you at Victory Christian Fellowship here in East Palatka so we we reached a place after three years um, that you know the church has has grown it, it's doing it's sustaining um, it's in a place where I wouldn't necessarily have put a stamp on it and said you're one hundred percent healthy but we're at least healing mm-hmm. and heading to the place of, of full health and uh, it reached a place at, at this point in time where 
I was working, uh, had picked, uh, generated enough business, enough work, had enough uh, familiarity with the community and through the people that I worked with doing uh, this concrete work that I was putting in 50 to 60 hours a week doing construction and then turning around and working another 25 to 35 at the church. Mm. Uh, and... Uh, and some of that came out of, uh, I know now from the mindset that you, you talk about, we had that you were talking about this mega church mm-hmm. mindset. You know, it was, uh, while I, I had enough uh, presence of mind to step back and look in the beginning and say, this is unsustainable, mm-hmm. what I didn't have was enough clarity to look in my own life and, and see that. What you're do, what I was doing was unsustainable. Mm. Uh, I had enough wisdom to look into the church finances and say we can't keep doing this, but not enough to look in my own life and say you can't keep doing this. Yeah. This is not sustainable. You, you had that stubborn workaholic thing of I can just, I can put more on my shoulders. I can yes. carry more. I can lift more. Yes. I can do. It's it's as Jerry Seinfeld would say. It's male idiot superhero thinking. Yes. <laughs> I was thinking, you know, and, I, and in my mindset, you're telling yourself, well, if we can just get to this place, you know, if I can just, if we can just get the church to pass a hundred or to pass mm-hmm. 150 or to pass, then, you know, then we'll have the capability to back off a little bit because we'll have more volunteers. You have more people, more resources. And, and so you're, you're continually pushing and pushing and pushing yourself. And then one day I woke up and realized that, uh, I hated preparing my messages Hmm. I was not happy doing it anymore that it was and I hate is really a strong word and probably at the very least you could look at it became burdensome it became burdensome yeah it would I dreaded putting together my messages every week Hmm. whereas before like I thrived on that I loved diving into God's word and studying it and and putting together a message um, but I'd reached a point where I was so tired and so exhausted. Uh, you know, the only way I know to describe it in familiar is that my heart really connected with Elijah mm. as he's running off into the wilderness after he called down fire. And he cries out to God, just just kill yeah. me, Lord. What, what, I'm the only person. God, what? And I found myself in this place where, you know, I, I don't know that I ever cried out, Lord, just kill me. But I found, God, why am I here? What mm. What is going on? I don't understand. I, I did everything that you told me to do. I did everything that you led me. I don't understand. I did everything right. Why, yeah, I yeah. don't understand why I'm here. Yeah. And uh, I, God just let it from there. Another one of those moments where I felt like God led us and said, hey, you need to pause and take a moment and you need to draw close to me. Mm. Uh, and it was through that, you know, we began to communicate with the church. Uh, you know, we could have stayed there and just finished and I kept going through the motions, but you know, we approached the board and we approached the church and said, Hey, you know, this is, this is where we, where we're at. We feel like God is, is leading us somewhere else. Mm. We don't know where, uh, we don't know how long, this is going to be, you know, we were very honest with them about where we were at, you know, spiritually and, and, uh, and just kind of told them, you know, we need to, to step down, you know, and, um, and so we did and, and God brought in a great pastor there at that church who's continuing to, to lead on, 
Um, but we spent about the next year, year and a half, uh, just pursuing God mm. and where he was going to lead us next, what he was going to have us do next. And healing for you. Yes, and, and healing uh, and bringing us to a place of understanding of mm. why this happened. Uh, you know, what kind of things are, are going on inside of me that yeah. that drive. Uh, you know, as as believers, you know, we... You know, we know that we're saved by grace mm-hmm. and that we're, uh, we know that we can't do anything to earn God's salvation. Mm-hmm. However, sometimes I think as ministers, or at least in my own life, uh, it's like I found myself in a place where I felt like I needed to prove myself to God, mm-hmm. that he had chosen well, that he yeah. had, that I was deserving of the call that that he had given on my life. And so uh, that I had put all this pressure on myself that, I re- that God had never had never placed on my shoulders. Yeah. He had never, never called me to. It's interesting that you say that. Um, there are, are two books that I have found um, really fascinating. One is Dangerous Calling by Paul David Tripp. And the other one is Wayne Cordero's book, Running on it, uh, Leading on Empty, Leading on Empty. And both in Wayne Cordero's Leading on Empty and in Paul David Tripp's Dangerous Calling, they both speak pretty honestly about the fact that in their experience as pastors and as they have worked counseling and mentoring and coaching other pastors, what they have found is that it does seem like a pretty consistent trend amongst those whom God calls to serve as pastors are people who are very, very comfortable preaching a grace, very, very comfortable preaching a grace, a gift of grace, nothing you can do to earn it, nothing you can do to deserve it. And yet there is a tendency to function as if their salvation or their standing with God must consistently be earned. Or, if we're honest with ourselves, maybe even it has very little to do with God, treating it as if our leadership or positional authority has to be continually earned. Mm-hmm. Um, as if we're constantly working to gain the acceptance or approval or affirmation of Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. And I can see in my own ministry, I've gone through seasons where that, that has definitely reared its ugly head. And in most of the pastors that I am very close with, you know, I, obviously there's tons of pastors I know, but we're, we're not, we, we have great relationship, but it's not deep, Mm -hmm. but the, the pastors that I'm close with and have deep relationship with, I'm always so, um, surprised how many of us struggle with this same thing this yeah. this idea that I, I must constantly earn the acceptance affirmation that that I don't know if it's a fear of rejection or of a fear of not being worthy but it, it is it is constantly this thing of let me put more weight on my back mm-hmm. to carry and and eventually what happens is you either you either burn out or it's big public failure Oh yeah. Um, so that's not sustainable. 
And so there's there's an incredible wisdom, I think, for you kind of having that. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, again, I, I think that we, we could probably not overstate um, Rachel's influence in this. Mm-hmm. But, but I think the two of you recognizing this is not sustainable. Yeah. And God opening up a door for you to, to step away from that and to spend the next year, year and a half, really praying about what God would have in store for you, what's next, mm-hmm. and to let God remind you of what he says about you and what his, the identity that he has claimed over you rather than the identity you're constantly trying to earn. Yeah, absolutely. And through all of that, God opens up a door to come to Florida, for the Tennessee boy to come to Florida. Yes. What did that look like? <laughs> uh, well, it's kind of, you know, to me, I look back and I see how God works. And, and it's, I won't say comical, but, but amusing. Just, you know, it, my wife and I had moved to, to Texas. We loved it there. You know, we'd been in Tennessee for the bulk of our ministry, the bulk of our lives. And, and I used to always occasionally joke with her and say, you know, well, I wish God would call us to Texas or Florida someday. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd love to live in, in one of those those areas. And uh, it, it, it's just kind of interesting how God works. You know, I, it was just one of those comments, offhanded comments you make. You never, you're thinking, eh, probably never happened. And... Um, we, uh, through a mutual friend uh, in the uh, Tennessee area, got connected with uh, Victory Christian Fellowship down here. Um, again, uh, it's one of those situations. I was actually already in communications with another church. I was going to come on as their associate pastor. Like, we were working through finalizing the details and everything. We'd already interviewed with the church Where and was talked with them. It was in Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. And uh, so we uh, loved the pastor, the, the ministry, everything that was going on up there. And uh, it was actually the, uh, one of the leaders uh, in the uh, state of Tennessee's Assemblies of God uh, called me up and said, Hey, uh, before you make a decision, I know that you're talking with this church. Before you make a decision, I have a friend down in Florida. I want you to talk to him, and I want you to go down there and, uh, and, and interview with them first. Hmm. And... Uh, out of respect for this man of God who really is a, a mentor in my life, I went. Yeah. Uh, assuming that this would not be where God was sending us because we had already made all, we, all these connections with this other pastor and felt like this is where God was leading us. And uh, uh, so my wife and I uh, connected with the founding pastor down here, Pastor Ben Tippett, and uh, he invited us to come and interview with the board and, and to preach and and so we did that, and uh, we hit the city limits, uh, the county limits, mm-hmm. and we looked at one another and said, this is where God's going to have us. Hmm. We just knew that yeah. this is where God was, was calling us to be. And, uh, and so we, we met with the board, we met with the church, we, we preached, and, uh, of course, they uh, asked us if we wanted to... Uh, to have them vote on us, which, you know, we said yes. And, and so they, they voted us in as, as their pastors, and uh, mm-hmm. we were humbled and honored. But it was one of those, I guess, rare occasions where you know that you know that this is what God is leading you yeah. to and that this is where he's calling you. Uh, and uh, so, uh, you know, here we are. We packed up and, and we moved down here and uh, 
uh, we're just we're excited and and humbled and honored that this is where God has brought us and excited about uh, what he's what he's doing and, and the vision that he's laid on our yeah. heart for uh, not only the church but the community as well and you've been here just about a year just a little over a year mm-hmm. uh, and about 13 months now yeah so so in your first year in Florida your first year at Victory Christian Fellowship and your first year really back in this role mm-hmm. what are some of the things that you've seen God do what are some of the things God's been teaching you and and what is some of the vision God has given you for the future of this church and the role this church can have impacting an entire community so I really feel like some of the biggest things that God has spoken uh, you know first and foremost before we came I feel like he spoke that you know uh, we have a very Americanized version of success. Uh, we we think that you, you've you've constantly got to get larger, 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 larger to be successful. But if you look at the ministry of Jesus, he blew up and was large, and then got smaller, 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 smaller mm-hmm. until he's hanging on the cross, and there's just a handful of people standing around him. Yeah. Uh, and so God's definition of success is very different from our definition of success. God's definition of success is obedience Hmm. it's nothing else yeah it's just obedience um and and us just surrendering to his plan and doing what he's called us to do uh uh, secondly uh, i feel like as we've been here that god has laid on my heart is that it's not just about the the church we've gotten in a mindset i think sometimes or at least I had of that it's I've got we've got to build the church we got to make this this group of believers grow and so we start focusing on programs and outreach and and all of these things but everything is centered around bringing people to a building and uh, growing this group of believers and, and it's not necessarily wrong but I feel like what God has kind of laid on my heart as as we're going forward is that God positions us in the communities that he as believers whether that's here in putnam county or wherever we find ourselves he positions us there not to call people to the church but so that we can go out Mm -hmm. and share the gospel yeah so that we can go and tell others who jesus is and and share the love of god with them Mm -hmm. and that we have to change our mindset of thinking that the church is where ministry is done and instead imagine that we are which we are truly in a mission field Mm -hmm. and that this is our mission field and that we all whether we're pastors or members of a church we have to view the community where we're in the the jobs that we go to the place Mm -hmm. as mission fields and that we're missionaries and that we have to get a heart for the community for the people of the community and begin to really truly reach out to them and and minister God's love and and grace and mercy. Yeah. Now, for our listeners, uh, I'm going to go ahead and give you a heads up. In the coming months, you're going to start seeing this everywhere. Um, But Victory Christian Fellowship, um, if there's a a theme, if there's kind of a motto that the church has just recently adopted, um, under your leadership, and this is something people are going to see, whether that's on Facebook, whether that's through the organizations you're helping, whether that's your service project, whether that's just through 
uh, people in the church who are living their lives uh, mm-hmm. in this way. But the kind of this this kind of theme for Victory Christian Fellowship is love Putnam. That's it. Love Putnam. What is uh, unpack that a little bit for us? What is what does that mean? What is that all about? What's the heart behind that? Well, lo- love Putnam is all about redirecting our focus back to our community, mm-hmm. getting outside of the four walls. Uh, I think we have for too long as Christians and believers cowered in our safety comfort zones inside of our churches and expected everyone to come to us. Hmm. Uh, And so Love Putnam is about really truly getting back to what God has called us to do and loving our community Hmm. because we know that God loves everyone and that he sent, it was important enough to him to send his son to die on the cross for our sins Mm. and to raise him back to life so that we could have the opportunity to be restored in our relationship. And Paul says that we are called to a ministry of reconciliation, Mm. Uh, not just pastors, not just missionaries, not just, you you have the fivefold ministry of the church. Their job is to equip the saints Mm -hmm. In this ministry of reconciliation, of going out and drawing people to God, leading them to a relationship with Him. And so uh, we, uh, this theme this year, as God began to lay on my heart uh, of love Putnam, is about us directing our focus out back out to our community and, and not waiting by those definitions of success that we talked about, not waiting for us to reach those milestones. So often we think, well, when we're a church of 100 or when we're a church of 150 or we're a church Mm -hmm. of 200, then we'll be able to really do great things for God. Then we can go out and we can do this. Then we can do that. And, And I remember I was praying about some of the things that I feel like God has laid on my heart for our community and uh, for our church to to play a role in Mm -hmm. facilitating in in, in the community. And I was thinking, God, well, I can't wait for us to get there. And another one of those moments, God said, why are you waiting? Hmm. And uh, through that, uh, in the study of Scripture, God began to to bring some Scriptures to light, uh, you know, that... Uh, we're supposed to be faithful in the small things. We're mm-hmm. supposed to be faithful right where we're at. Uh, and I think that it's a rut that too many churches and people get into where we are uh, expect we're waiting for us to get to a certain level of success before we step out and are faithful in what God has given us. Mm-hmm. But God has called us to Uh, He's not called us and given us anything that's beyond what he's equipped us to. He wants us to be faithful in what we have today. Uh, Another passage of scripture says that he has uh, organized and ordained good works for us to do. He's Mm -hmm. preordained those things. Uh, And when we are constantly looking down the road and saying, well, when I get here, when I get here, we're procrastinating. And really, truthfully, we're like the servant who got the one talent. Mm -hmm. And instead of going out and using that one talent because we're afraid, Mm -hmm. we go back and we dig a hole and we shove it down in the ground. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just believe that uh, the vision that God has laid uh, on on my heart, on, on the... 
uh, on our heart as as a church is that it's time to pull that talent out of the ground yeah. and put it to use. Yeah, I love that. Um, this episode of the podcast is going to come out on Monday, August 20th, which will be uh, six days before the next Awaken Gathering. And the next Awaken Community Worship Gathering is happening at your church, Victory Christian Fellowship. Yes. Saturday night, August 25th at 7 p.m. Um, talk to me a little bit. I, I think you've just been able to come to one of the Awaken Gatherings so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know we've talked a lot about it. Um, Talk to me a little bit about why you're excited to be hosting uh, Awaken and kind of what you see. Um, what, what is it about the heart of Awaken that you um, have kind of grabbed onto and believe in? Uh, I think I really I love the community aspect because at the heart of Love Putnam is that it's it's beyond just Victory Christian Fellowship. It, it's, yeah. it, it's more about the churches coming together, and, and we're praying and, and actively seeking uh, that we can be uh, not only ministers to, uh, to our church, but also to other churches. Mm-hmm. And that uh, it, I see that in the heart of Awaken, that it, it's about people coming together mm-hmm. and putting aside squabbling. Yeah, um, I, I love the passage of scripture. It says to lay down vain arguments mm-hmm. and, and, and to put them aside. Uh, I, I've been in college. I went. I, I've studied doctrine. I did all these things, and so often I think whether you're Baptist, Methodist, Lutheran, Catholic, Episcopalian, mm-hmm. whatever your your faith is in, in Jesus, uh, we have found ourselves arguing over things that are semantics of wording yeah. and and we have drawn our battle lines and we're fighting one another mm-hmm. rather than coming together as the body of Christ yeah. um, when the body of Christ comes together uh, then there is nothing that is impossible yeah. for them uh, the last time the body well, I won't say the last time but <laughs> From the book of Acts, when the body of Christ came together in one mind, in one accord, Mm -hmm. there was a revival that broke out that saw thousands saved on a daily basis. What could God do if we would lay down our denominational differences and just come together and say, you know what? We're believers in Jesus, Mm -hmm. and let's worship God together. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, I'm so excited. Uh, Mark, it's always good to talk to you. I love hanging out with you and spending time with you. Um, I'm so excited for what God is doing in you and through you at Victory Christian Fellowship. Uh, You and your wife, Rachel, are expecting baby number four. Baby number uh, four. In October, right? October 11th. October 11th. Uh, That's going to be exciting. And so I want to continue to pray for Mark and for Rachel and for their family. Um, for a, for a safe delivery, and, and of course, you know, beautiful thing is you get to schedule it. That's so right. You, you, you know, one, one p.m. on October 11th, you're going in. That's right. It's like ordering a pizza. That's right. Um, with with much higher insurance copayment. Uh, um, but we want to thank you so much for being with us. Uh, we're so excited for what God is doing, and uh, we want to invite everyone who's listening to this podcast. We want to see you. Saturday night, August 25th at 7 p.m. at Victory Christian Fellowship. Give you a chance to meet Mark personally. 
uh, for you get for you to get to see um, Victory Christian Fellowship, give him a chance to show off a little bit uh, this church that he's been called to lead. And uh, as we gather together for the next Awakened Community Worship Gathering, Mark, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me.